What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy B60 Podcast by Anaheim. Excited to be back with you. We've had like a 20-day hiatus. We are back in the seat and have a powerhouse interview lined up here with Remote International Chief Medical Doctor, Dr. Ricky. Guys, his name is so crazy. He literally just tells everyone, call him Dr. Ricky. Brilliant guy. They're talking about Remote Medical International, what they're doing all for COVID-19, how they're helping companies fall through this. I don't want to spoil this interview, so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the director and publisher of OilAndGas360.com, Stuart Turley, to kick this one off. Hey, good afternoon. I'm here with Dr. Ricky from Remote Medical International, and we've just been uh, visiting about everything that he's got going on with the new purchase and COVID and the, the place. So welcome, Dr. Ricky. It is very nice seeing you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity today. You know, and, and visiting with you about uh, everything that you have going on, I really enjoyed uh, finding out how you wanted to be a doctor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so everybody has a different path to kind of their field in medicine and things like that. And for me, I knew that I was very passionate about science uh, and math. Those were uh, things I really enjoyed doing, and I felt like I was pretty good at it. Um, and I really thought about doing a kind of a basic science and, and getting into more of a research background. But um, I found after doing that for a little bit that I really missed that human interaction. Um, and that was one of the things that I, I, I felt like was one of my strengths uh, in life. And so I felt like medicine was kind of the perfect approach for me to kind of take uh, what I viewed as, as my skills and, and uh, apply them uh, for an occupation. And so uh, so that's how I kind of got interested in medicine. I was really fascinated by biology and, you know, kind of how body systems work and things like that. Um, but again, I love that interaction with people. Um, so I got into medicine uh, mainly because of that and then um, kind of took my passions for medicine and kind of built on that to, to go into emergency medicine so I could do some some really fun things. Um, I, I, you know, I enjoy taking care of people regardless of what their concerns are. What, what their medical complaints. And so emergency medicine was really great because it allowed me to take care of emergent issues, but then also the breadth of medicine that inevitably presents itself. Well, fantastic. Now tell us a little bit about what uh, RMI or Remote Medical uh, International is and tell us a little bit about what you do for them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so Remote Medical International um, is, a, is a really interesting company. We provide uh, healthcare solutions in really remote and challenging environments. And, and a lot of the work that we do um, tends to be uh, with the energy sector, with oil and gas, um, pipeline projects, things of that nature through there, whereby there's a given project happening somewhere and the client needs some medical assistance in terms of managing the workforce and things like that. And so that's where we strive. We provide the medical support for that particular project location. Um, and that can be variable in terms of what it is, in terms of just the provider or the provider, uh, and then equipment and supply solutions to evacuation services. Um, all the while, that provider that's on site through there has 24-7 topsite support through a group of emergency room physicians on the back end, uh, just to kind of support them while they're out in these challenging environments. Uh, so needless to say, a, a group in the North uh, Sea or North Atlantic really like you guys then. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. um, so uh, RMI is in, uh, they have clients in 120 different locations. How in the world do you guys cover that kind of an area? Yeah, so we're really, really fortunate. We have um, we have a global network of um, 
uh, employees. We have a global, global network of operational contacts and things like that uh, that allow us to understand what the need is in a particular geographic location and then find the solution to incorporate through there. Um, so I think, you know, we started off doing our job really well in a particular location. And then once we got good at that, we figured that out. Well, then we were able to, to kind of branch that out a little bit and use our network to, to provide the same level of quality and service in different environments. Oh, fantastic. And you also just got SSI Group, if I uh, heard that correctly. Uh, what does that bring to the table and who are they? Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, SSI has been a, a wonderful acquisition thus far. Uh, we're really excited about them because they, they specialize in some areas of, uh, they have some expertise in some areas that, that maybe we didn't initially. So in uh, particular, um, with uh, offshore wind um, exploration and, and renewable energy. Um, and so with them, uh, with that acquisition, we obtained kind of the, the operational support and then the, the clinical support as well that has a lot of experience doing this. Um, so it allows us to, to expand our offerings to different environments and things like that and bring that level of expertise with us. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, going in, so you've all had the experience with uh, oil and gas pipelines, and now you've got the uh, wind farms and, and all of those things. What kind of differences between the two? Is it just healthcare is healthcare, or what kind of expertise did you have come along? Right, exactly. So, so every every environment is a little bit unique. Every project that we support is a little bit unique, and and those you know those subtleties will vary even domestically on project sites that we have, but then, you know, certainly extrapolate that to international projects or offshore projects or the different types of energy sectors that we work with. There are unique challenges with each one of those. And, uh, you know, we've learned a lot of that through time and, and through different experiences and things like that. But we're so grateful with this acquisition because SSI brings that level of expertise in. And so we don't have to basically reinvent the wheel to figure out some of those intricacies. We don't have to learn the hard way. Um, so I'm working really closely with their clinical team currently just to understand some of those nuances and how we may need to adjust our preparedness to provide uh, medical support for those particular locations. Um, and you all help with uh, getting plans together and trying to help the safety officers then, I'm assuming, with just different kinds of services to your uh, clients. And so I'm willing to bet COVID kind of threw a bunch in there. Uh, could you give us a little bit about what you've seen and some real world, world stories for us? Yeah, sure. I'll talk a little bit about the COVID part uh, first, and then I'll get into some of the stories and things. But uh, yeah, I mean, COVID has kind of uh, been, um, you know, it's completely unpredictable. Um, and it's been a, an extreme challenge for so many people in so many different uh, locations and things like that. But but in a general sense, we've worked really closely with clients on different projects, and, and that especially includes the health and, health and safety folks, um, to develop COVID preparedness plans. And, and those preparedness plans are, are pretty all-encompassing because they look at the, the operation and they look at getting the, the individuals, the workforce, onto that operation in as safe a manner as possible. Um, and, and that includes you know, different screening approaches, maybe that includes different testing approaches, things like that. But basically to take that population and to start that location as healthy as possible. But that involved a lot of work with clients and, and this health and safety folks to implement some of these strategies. Um, in addition to that, once you're on site, then you have to be able to uh, figure out what you're going to do to maintain that level of safety, right? And so a lot of this gets into working with a safety team, 
to decide, okay, what can we do? Knowing that a particular operation may be very challenging to distance or for somebody to wear a mask or for somebody to have hand hygiene. So we work through a lot of those issues to try to incorporate that as much as operationally possible and as safely as possible. But that required a lot of interaction with the clients and the safety personnel, both from our side on the corporate side, but then also from on the provider level. And then lastly, to that point, came down to the management. Like how do we prepare to manage somebody in a really remote environment that may have COVID? Because we might ha not have the ability to diagnose them out there, um, depending on where they're coming from. So we have to make some empiric decisions about what we do. Um, if somebody is, if we have a suspicion that somebody could have COVID and that falls in line with a COVID-19 management plan. And that's something that we devised or the client did and we had some input to, to kind of make sure that we're all aligned with it. But, but in, in essence, to make sure that everyone is on the same page in terms of what you do if you have somebody that's suspected of having COVID, because we know we can't eliminate it. Regardless of what you do, you cannot eliminate it, but you can minimize that impact it's gonna have on a particular project site. And, and again, that comes down to recognition, uh, understanding that there could be a suspicion for a case, and then the appropriate handling of that case. And that includes you know, isolating that individual, having the appropriate notifications to the safety personnel, to the other members of the particular project. Um, identifying the context and handling them appropriately, again, with the ultimate goal being to minimize that impact that it's going to have on a project site. And, 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 and we have worked very closely with the health and safety folks to devise that plan because we all have the same goals here. You know, we want to take as best of care of the individual as possible, but at the same time, maintain, at the same time, maintain the operational stability of that given project. Oh, you bet. So, and then have you... Um, had any success stories or any really wild things that went on in some of your workplaces? Yeah, so we've um, so we've had a lot of different uh, a lot of different locations, and I'm 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 very grateful to say that um, in all of our projects thus far, we have not had a severe illness on board. My experience as an emergency room physician, um, I understand kind of the spectrum of how this illness prevent presents, and it, it's not typically like one minute you're fine, the next minute you know, you're kind of crashing and you have a really low oxygen saturation and things like that as it pertains to COVID. Now we're prepared to manage that scenario as it pertains to something else, but the natural history of COVID is in general, not like that. It's, it's kind of a slow indolent sort of process that progressively worsens. And so our job is really identifying these individuals upfront when they may have signs and symptoms and then making the appropriate operational decisions based off of that. And there's numerous examples of you know, individuals that, we, that will catch on a, on a screening, somebody that feels perfectly fine, they have a temperature of 100.8 Fahrenheit, say, look, you know, your symptoms are a little bit concerning, we need to talk about this, and we initiate the appropriate strategies from there. Um, most of the time, those are going to be cases, if somebody is not really sick, that we're going to manage pretty routinely. I mean, we're going to do the isolation, the appropriate notifications, the quarantine of any close contacts, but then we're going to handle that individual uniquely depending on the environment that they're in. Um, so, if it's not emergent and we don't have to get lights and sirens or a helicopter to fly out to get them, well, great. We're going to take uh, we're going to take a routine measure with the appropriate preparedness and protection of the the individuals that are responsible for transporting that person, and we're going to take that routine operation to get them safely off site to a location where they can get the appropriate testing and management done. Uh, we've also identified symptomatic individuals, so people that you know may have passed through a screening. Um, or they're on a, a rig somewhere or, or something like that, and all of a sudden, you know, they start feeling sick. Well, we're really lucky because we have a provider on site. And again, we can identify that individual. Um, that, that provider on site has 24-7 access to, to ER physicians on the other end, where we'll talk through that case, determine how concerned we are about these individuals, and then again, make the appropriate operational decisions from there. Um, again, as I said, we've been very fortunate. We have not had 
kind of the truly emergent crashing patient related to COVID. But we've had plenty of, of individuals picked up on screening that have been positive for COVID, as well as individuals that become symptomatic. Um, and we've done a really good job, I think, of managing those people and containing the extent of, of involvement on a particular location. Oh, nice. Now, in in some of the uh, prep work here, your your uh, uh, assistant sent me just a couple things and uh, of lessons learned. Um, isolating your population before they go into the remote field. Uh, and so, do you guys have test quick test kits usually on those sites? Uh, how do you do a quick test there, or is there a lab there? Yeah. Right, so we, we partner with a number of different labs. And, and just a brief uh, moment on testing, because there's a lot of different tests on the market. I mean, you hear about them. I mean, there are hundreds of different tests on the market. Some are better than others, but they can be broken down into some basic tests. Like you've got your antibody tests, uh, and then you've got your molecular tests, or which are gonna be kind of your, your typical kind of nasal swab or saliva-based uh, samples. Those are more accurate for detecting acute or subacute illness. Whereas the antibody tests are really gonna tell you, hey, did you, uh, you know, are you somebody that, that has been exposed to COVID previously? Um, we use them on some of our really remote locations because we just don't, you know, you don't have a lab five days away from anything, you know, I mean, and, and unfortunately, the point of care options that allow you to do that. Uh, so there are options, molecular tests out there that will give you quick results like that. But those are typically very, very expensive and logistically impossible, basically, in most locations um, that are really remote. Um, just the technical back end that's required to operate them, the logistics of getting them out there, uh, the costs associated with them just make them prohibitively, um, just make them project prohibitive. So um, we're, we partner with a lot of different uh, labs um, and we try to identify the labs that are really high quality so that when we test an individual, we feel as confident as possible that that particular individual at that time um, doesn't have COVID. Um, to the, and again, this is to the extent that we can. Um, and, and so now do you take your crews and isolate them two weeks ahead of time? Because that all of a sudden turns it into a, a six week uh, tour of duty there. Uh, right. Some of these remote. Uh, how do you guys do that? Yeah, so so a lot of that is going to be dictated by the client in some cases, and and uh, um, that's separate from our own employees that kind of go out. But but um, there are a lot of unique operational uh, considerations that have to be taken into account, and sometimes a client just doesn't have the ability or the luxury to allow for that 14-day quarantine before they send somebody out. So they will incorporate a testing strategy in these individuals. They might get them in there maybe a week beforehand. Um, so they're then the kind of kind of quarantine them for about a week beforehand and maybe test them a few days after uh, their flight or their transport in there uh, the whole while, you know, kind of using all the tools at their disposal to say, look, understanding this is not a perfect solution. We've done everything we can to try to minimize the risk of this person getting on board to the extent that it's operationally possible. Every client that we work with is going to have a different risk mitigation approach um, and a different risk tolerance. And so we kind of work within that to provide solutions that will accommodate that. We give guidance certainly as, as, as necessary and, and as, as we're asked to do so. But at the same time, sometimes we do fall into the, the approach that the client have already devised that fits with their unique operation. You know, one of the things that uh, I enjoyed reading in the report was there was one constant and that was everybody gets reviewed before they go to the job site in the job area. So having that constant review and somebody really taking a look at somebody seems to be a big uh, proactive uh, review, if, that, if you would say it that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think, you know, periodics, you know, I, I think point of entry screening of individuals. And again, this will depend on your project site and things like that. But um, I do think there's benefit to to all the little things, the educational component. So again, where operationally possible, wearing masks, enhanced hand hygiene, distancing where possible, but then also screening individuals that are coming to work each day. If you have somebody that, that isn't on a self-contained project location, they're kind of coming and going. Um, if not, and everybody is there, well, you still incorporate temperature screens and things like that to identify individuals earlier than, than you would otherwise, than, than them reporting. Because you know, people, they're there to work. They want to work. And, and you know, last thing they want is to be sick and not to be able to work. So it's kind of a good way to just kind of keep symptoms in check and identify individuals that, that may be in the process of developing symptoms consistent with COVID. You know, uh, we don't want to get into politics or religion in these interviews, but right. this one may be politically religious. I, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> uh, what is your opinion on masks? Do they work? Yeah, so I have some pretty strong opinions on masks. I, I, and, and, and again, I hope this isn't taken in either political or religious context. I, I'm looking at the data. Like I said, I love science. I'm a scientist at heart. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of evidence showing that, um, that masking does a great job of reducing the risk of spread to other individuals. It's source control. And so the goal here of wearing the mask is not to protect yourself, but to protect everybody else that's around you. It's because every time we speak, we cough, we laugh, we open our mouths, we expel viral particles or, or respiratory particles, right? And the mask just does a great job of catching a lot of those particles and it decreases the risk that you're again, spreading that to somebody else. So I'm a, I'm a big supporter of masking. Uh, again, um, operations that we work with, uh, some of those individuals may have some reasons that they're not able to wear a mask, but when all operationally possible, I strongly recommend them. Uh, like if they're in the lunchroom or shared uh, areas, wear a mask, you know, those kind of things. It, absolutely. It, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, if someone uh, wanted to take a look at some health plans or anything else, uh, would they just recommend uh, contacting you guys for a review or how do your clients normally try to reach out to you? Yeah, so I think that's in general, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a client that's interested in some of the service offerings that we have and they'll have a unique problem uh, in a lot of cases. Say, look, this is the operation that we're looking in. This is what we're looking for for RMI to provide. Um, and a lot of times it's not really a cookie cutter approach. It's pretty unique to, to the world in which they're operating in. Um, and so we have uh, some different consulting services within our company to kind of look at that unique scenario and devise a strategy that may fit for them. And again, that may be just us incorporating into their very well thought out strategy, or it may be incorporate, you know, us being involved in actually devising that strategy that may work for them. And we're involved in, in both scenarios um, and all the little areas in between that uh, as well. So, I mean, it's really kind of exciting. It's fun because, you know, you really, every scenario is unique. Everyone is unique. Uh, even the, you know, the same two project locations and offerings, there's going to be some unique challenge in, ter in terms of where people are coming from or how long the project may be or when crew change is going to be, things like that. So it's, it's fun. Every day is, is definitely different and it's very interesting. So. You know, this is so refreshing being able to visit with you, uh, Dr. Ricky, because you enjoy your job. It is very, very clear. Um, have you had anybody like on a rig or anything try to throw somebody that had COVID off, you know, throw them into a, a uh, lifeboat? I'm, I'm joking, but I'm okay. imagining there is a story or two about that. There is, um, I think some people take it very strong. Uh, they, have, they have a very low threshold to evacuate somebody with COVID symptoms. And I understand why, um, because if it's not appropriately managed, 
And again, a lot of locations, particularly vessels, they don't have great ventilation systems. They don't have true isolation rooms. Uh, and so they have a very low threshold to move some of these people. Very early on in the pandemic, I think when we knew a lot less than we know right now, they were really quick to move these people. And they would, I mean, they would evacuate them um, and get them off the rig. And they, some clients even got rid of the close contacts too, because they wanted zero risk that COVID could get on their project site and shut down their operations. So uh, they really preempted that by moving people. I think a lot of people now are taking a pretty reasoned approach. And I'm not even saying that that's the wrong approach, but I think they're taking a reasonable approach. And again, maybe trying to um, take some routine measures to get people in to get tested and get the care that they need. Um, and then maybe managing the close context a little bit differently and kind of keeping them on site and just, uh, you know, keeping them in quarantine as opposed to moving them as well. But uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting. It's been a very dynamic situation and, and everybody feels this to different extents and things like that. But but uh, it is something that is constantly changing and our approach now may be very different from our approach, you know, three weeks from now. So. <laughs> and and uh, Dr. Ricky, thank you very much for your time. I just really appreciate it. And I'd like to follow up with you a little bit later and see if there's any updates or anything. But uh, with my luck, if I was on a rig, they'd just, when I was sleeping, throw me off. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, you're out. Well, again, have a wonderful day and look forward to visiting with you here. And thank you very much, Dr. Ricky. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. High-level stuff there, guys, from Dr. Ricky. We really appreciate his time and the whole team over there, Remote Internet Medical International, for what they're doing in this COVID-19 stuff. Guys, check out all of our other interviews, Energy 360, by Intercom Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. Until next time, we'll see you then.